Welcome to a special Pollinator Week Beekeeping Today podcast. Beekeeping Today podcast is your source for beekeeping news, information, and entertainment. I'm Jeff Ott. And I'm Kim Flatham. Hey guys, Global Patties is proud to sponsor this special Pollinator Week of Beekeeping Today podcasts. Global Patties is a family-run business that has been operating for over 17 years. They manufacture protein supplement patties for honeybees. Global offers a variety of standard patties made with a time-tested recipe of natural ingredients with or without real pollen, and they also make custom patties to meet specific requests. Feeding your hives protein supplement patties will ensure they produce strong and healthy colonies by increasing brood production and overall honey flow. Global invented and made popular the sandwich patty design, which simplifies the handling process for beekeepers. Keep your bees going strong all summer long by supplementing with Global Patties. You can find out more at their website, www.globalpatties.com. Hey Kim, we're certainly happy to have Global Patties as a sponsor this week. They produce a great product. Thanks, thanks Global. It's a special week, pollination. It's big business and it's getting big press too. I'm really excited to have one of the East Coast's largest pollinators on the show today, Davey Hackenberg. Yeah, you know, Jeff, uh, it's Pollination Week, and of course, every media and everybody that's in our, our world is looking at pollinators and who everybody thinks about first, the bees and the birds and the butterflies and the bats and all, and certainly mostly the bees. And and that's exactly right. Honeybees and all the other bees are, are, you know, part of the process. But when I hear the word pollinators, I've been sitting here for 33 years. I hear the word pollinators. I think of the people that make it happen. And Buffy Bee Apiaries, Davey and his son Dave, uh, have been pollinating for years and years on the East Coast and other parts of the country. I think we're lucky to have them here today. They have a they have a perspective and an insight into this business that few others have. So let's get going. Yeah, let's call them up on Zoom. Hey, Davey, welcome to Beekeeping Today podcast. Thanks for making time to join us during a very busy time of year for you and your business. Davey, I got to believe that this time of year, I'm a kind of amazed that you're not moving at least half speed, let alone full speed plus. So uh, like Jeff said, welcome, and we're glad to be able to catch up with you this time of the year. I know it's busy. How's business been this spring? Uh, well, first, thank you for having me on this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is. Um, business <laughs> has been busy. Whether we're making money or not, I'm not sure, but we, we're busy all the time. We're just getting ready to get bees out of pollination out of Maine next week. We're taking bees to New York right now for honey production and trying to fix all the vehicles in between time from all the winter stress and trying to get ready for summer, I guess. Well, you bring up a good point, Davey, and you mentioned cranberries, and I know that's a big crop on the East Coast, but what what other crops are you working on? Are are you pollinating out there? Well, we just do almonds uh, in California, apples in Pennsylvania, blueberries in Maine, and then we go to New York for clover honey, then we do some pumpkin pollination, during the summertime. Um, we don't do cranberries. It's usually too hard on the bees right after um, main blueberries. So we bring them back in, to New York and start making clover honey. <clears throat> so you let them recover on clover. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to make a little bit of honey. How was the blueberry crop up in Maine this year? 
Well, that is a good question. With the late spring we've been having, it's been screwing things up. Uh, we took bees up there somewhere around the 10th of May. Things were getting warm, ready to pop, and they should be coming out this weekend, but they're actually holding them for another week because they got really cold up there. Mm-hmm. So it's actually extending. Everything got extended almost an extra week this year. Um, almonds were an extra week to two weeks longer than normal. Apples were a little later than normal. Blueberries are should be three weeks, and they're running four to five weeks right now. Um, so it's really messed up a lot of people's spring. So earlier you said that you you don't do the cranberries because uh, it's just too hard to, on the bees right after the blueberries. And in what way is it hard on the bees? Well, cranberries right after blueberries is hard because of protein source. Uh, blueberries is your monocropping for one. Um, the next issue is the protein on blueberries is really minute. So we feed a lot of protein. Um, normally when I send bees into blueberries, I got about six to nine pounds of protein on them just to get through the dirt, through the cold weather, the rain, whatever happens up there. And a lot of times years ago, the bees would actually shut down producing brood because there wasn't enough good pollen coming in. So when you're coming right out of Maine and then going into another pollination the next week, it's really hard on them. Um, so we pretty much just go right to New York and in New York, they sort of build back up and come back around pretty good. Very good. How long do they sit in New York? That's on honey production. You're making, you're actually, you're, you're feeding them on New York honey. How long do you let them sit there for that? We normally get the bees. Um, if I don't send all my bees to Maine, we ship some up here. Well, about the end of May, beginning of June. Uh, the bees that come out of Maine come back over around the 15th through the 20th, and they'll sit up there through summer clover and into goldenrod sometime August, September. Last couple of years haven't been very good in New York. Um, I mean, just like all across the country, the crop has been just half of what we used to make, um, whether it's just the bee issues or I think a lot of it is the rain we're getting is got chemicals in it that are causing effects in places where we knew, where you don't even have to use chemicals. But a lot of beekeepers I talk to have seen a big change in their honey production. Wow. That's kind of a scary thought. Yeah, it is. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I have a um, scuba diver that goes to my church in Florida. And he was telling me this winter, the university down there has him diving in aquifers at 150 feet deep, pulling samples out of caverns. The pesticide levels are so high in that fresh water that they recommend the state to stop spraying some of the chemicals they're spraying. So one thing that you need is fresh water for a honeybee. And if you don't have fresh water for that little insect, what are we giving them? I mean, I'm worried sometimes just in mixing my own sugar syrup up, maybe the water I'm using on my own well might be contaminated to some point. Um, There is no fresh water in this country. You can go to the highest peak and the highest mountain in a mud puddle, and you're going to find some kind of chemical that's coming down in rainwater. It's been proven. They found the same, basically the same thing in parts of Colorado. I know that what what uh, what came out of the mountain was fresh, but by the time it got through the city, uh, it had problems. And that's, I think, no fresh water is probably the norm more than the exception. I, I want to go back for a quick <clears throat> quick trip and visit. You talk about taking bees to Maine and then to New York, and and that, of course, has to do with trucks and truck drivers and labor and all of those good things. How, how tough has that been the last few years? 
it has gotten really bad in the last 10, 15 years. A lot of insurance companies will not cover beat hauling. Hmm. Um, and also, you have to find the right truck driver. A lot of these truck drivers nowadays are steering wheel holders. You don't have guys that are independent like I did years ago that hauled, um, took care of your bees, knew what to do and everything else. So you really got to worry about what's going on, who's hauling your bees and stuff. Um, which also limits you to how many trucks are on the road. So any certain time of the year when guys are trying to get bees out of almonds and pollination in May, or California, bees out of Maine, we're just limited on how many trucks are available to do the job. Are you using the independent drivers at that point? Pretty much as much as I can. I have a few guys that have driven for me over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I lose more and more all the time because of the cost of insurance to haul bees is almost 12000 dollars a year just to haul bees and if you don't haul enough loads of bees to cover the cost it really doesn't worth your time i've lost a few trucks over the years good guys but they said for the amount of bees they haul every year it just costs them too much insurance money wow so you you don't get insurance you can't get insurance on a truckload of bees so you're kind of holding your breath the whole time well you can but there's only about one or two companies that ever actually cover bees anymore. I mean, it's almost like hauling dynamite. I mean, same thing goes <laughs> when you're hauling bees. Park in the back lot where it's, the sign says hazardous loads and dynamite haulers park back here. Don't park the fuel pump and walk inside to get the boat. That's about, I've seen that. That's dumb. I was up in Maine here about three weeks ago and two tractor trailers sitting right next to the pump. The guys are sleeping because they weren't ready for their truckloads of bees yet, I guess, on the blueberries. And they're sitting right next to the pump sleeping in their trucks. I mean, the weather was cool, but there were still bees bouncing out of the boxes, and that's not the place to part. <laughs> bees and dynamite, it's an interesting an interesting comparison. Both hazard, and both, both hazard pay pretty much, too. <laughs> <laughs> the cost of trucking is not cheap when you're hauling bees. Well, one of the things that, that you oh, – another one of the things that you just brought up was bee health. And and everybody that deals with bees, whether you got me like a few colonies in the backyard or you, well, that's let me interrupt that question. How many bees are you working about most of the time? Uh, I don't even want to tell you numbers anymore because it ain't good. <laughs> Dad and I, back 15 years ago, before systemic chemicals came along, we were running about 3,200 hives of bees, pollinating four different crops, selling close to 1,500 nukes. It was mostly just him and I. Now I have my cousin Amber, my two boys, full-time, and then some part-time employees, and we're just trying to keep 2,000 alive. I mean, we spend more time treating bees for mites, feeding bees when nothing's coming in, um, and making protein. We make we, we put on a $20,000 addition on the building just to make our own protein source. Um, it's not the same game it was 15, 20 years ago. Our honey production is one-third of what it was 15 years ago so you're always looking for new ways to make money but it's not been the best business for the last 15 years for us well it sounds like your your business and and i i'm generalizing here to a degree after having talked to quite a few people but it's still a generalization your business is more pollination and selling bees because you mentioned selling a lot of nukes than it is making honey well, we actually quit selling nukes for about 10 years because just trying to keep our own numbers up. Um, we do more honey buying and we do more buying and selling now where I used to make enough honey to take care of all my customers' needs. Now we actually buy honey from all over the country and we sell 
orange blossom, buckwheat, raspberry, cranberry, blueberry, um, Western clover, New York clover, <laughs> and a little bit of Tupelo. We probably have anywhere from 12 to 15 kinds of honey in stock all the time in barrels, and we sell in buckets and jars. I sell five kinds in jars. Um, but we have a lot of hobbyists and small beekeepers that can't produce enough honey for their honey sales that we supply, mostly in buckets. They bring us their used buckets. We fill them out of barrels for them, and they go back and pack it the way they want to pack it and sell it. So that's that's a big part of our um, honey or honey business now, too. Uh, we don't sell too much in jars. We got a few people we sell to, but I'm, I don't want to compete with all the other small guys around me that got the niche market. So pollination is our big job or big business and selling honey mostly. Okay. All right. Well, that you go where the money is and, and uh, don't try and don't try and squeeze what isn't there anymore. Um, so I started talking about bee health here and, and um, <laughs> uh, we're looking at the pesticide issues and you said you were in almonds and there were some things going on there with Queens this year, as I understand it. Did you run into that? Um, we didn't actually, we didn't send a bees out this year, uh, about two years ago, we were out there and they had sprayed some fungicide that when I got the bees back there, they wouldn't build up all summer. I mean, it took us almost six months to get them bees back in shape, whatever they got hit with, it was still in the comb, in the pollen. We had stuff that had beautiful sheets of brood in the middle of July, eight frames of brood in a single deep with excluded a super on top and they would not produce bees they would not get past one deep box of bees and every time you go in it's like man this stuff's going to hatch out and look great and it was almost like the adult bees were not living long enough for the bees to hatch out and that's one of the biggest issues we got too is bees just don't live as long as they used to um a lot of these chemicals shorten a bee's life by five to seven days which that explains half why your honey crop isn't there either if you're cutting a third of the bees life off or half the lifetime he's out there making honey there goes half your honey crop um but they're spraying every time we go someplace they're spraying fungicide which the chemical guy and the farmer say well fungicide don't hurt honeybees but they're putting a lot of growth regulators in it um they're mixing chemicals together that they shouldn't be mixing together and calling it fungicide and the fungicide is having a big issue maybe sometimes more than the pesticides I found yeah. that out a bunch of years ago <clears throat> when we were doing apples. I was doing research at Wisconsin on apples, and you could spray bees with a fungicide, and they'd just laugh and fly away. Of course, what they were doing was taking that stuff back to the nest and feeding it to their kids, yep. and that's where you got in trouble, but you didn't see it for three or four weeks. Back when we were actually making orange honey in Florida, we had the same issue. When they were hot and heavy spraying fungicide and stuff, bees would make honey, and by May – your bees are falling apart on you. I mean, springtime when they should be just building up, they were falling apart. And doing four pollination crops a year, one of the other problems is it actually shuts down the queen from production for about two weeks every time you get into fungicide. So if you do almonds, shut down for two weeks, do apples shut down for two weeks, do blueberries shut down for two weeks, then do pumpkins shut down for two weeks, there's four weeks, eight, two, four, six, eight weeks out of the year, you're not producing bees so you have a dearth in there, and there's no young bees coming on to take care of the hive. And the old bees are doing all the work. So by the time fall rolls around, your mite levels are up, your viruses are up, and the bees are sick and ain't made no honey yet. And all you do is feed them. Um, so we, we've cut back. We do a lot of leasing. We, do, we lease a lot of bees for pollination nowadays. 
take care of our contracts. And, and one issue with that is you have to go out and look at the guys you're leasing bees from, make sure their bees look good. And I'm trying to just stay away from some pollination and trying to get my bees healthy again. Let me go back. You said you're leasing bees for pollination. That is, you you are essentially leasing these bees from other beekeepers. Yep. We lease bees from other beekeepers who haven't found out yet what pollination is all about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, that, that kind of brings up the question then when you're dealing with growers, uh, uh, one of the big, one of the big questions is, do you, I got I, I need a thousand colonies or I need 500 or 200 or whatever. Do you have enough? And you're saying that sometimes leasing bees helps you um, get that having enough. But what other issues are you going through with growers when you're doing this? Uh, what kinds of things are they looking for from you? And what are you looking for from them to make this work best for both of you? Well, the biggest issue with growers that we have and we have i got some friends are growers and we get along with great and they're just limited on the amount of chemical what they can use a spray for one they listen to the chemical guy first because he must have an education which half them guys don't think graduate high school let alone college and they have to get a crop so like one guy said we're the ugly stepchild of the of the uh, pollination industry we're, we're the last thing you think of and last guy you want to pay and things like that um, they, they want a good hive of bees that's going to do a job. Most of them guys don't care what's in the hive as long as the hive's flying. As long as you got a beehive that's going to be out there when the days are cool and maybe a little bit of rainy and when the stuff's blooming, they want pollinated. Um, and there's times, I, I get calls all the time like, well, the bees did great this year. I think I sent some stuff that was falling apart and they say it looked great. So, I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, you, you try to get the best product for the person you get for the, for the griller and a lot of times it comes down to service getting your bees on time they're on time when they need them that's a big thing i mean if you're three days late to an apple pollination job you're late because apples only bloom seven to ten days and if you miss the first couple of days you got an upset grower and he's not getting everything pollinated um the other issue is get them out on time i mean when they tell me to get bees on apples hey everything else gets dropped because they're spraying the night them bees come out they're spraying and there's times I'm loading truck and the sprayer's going right by me and I don't want my bees being sprayed and they got to spray. So you got to work together. You got communications, a big thing. Um, and you got to have a good rapport with your grower because there's always another beekeeper ready to jump in and take over your business for $10 less than you're doing it for that. And he won't find out maybe for five years that $10 less isn't enough to keep this business going. Wow. Masterclass in business. You make it sound kind of uh, cutthroat at times. It is very cutthroat. I had a call from a guy this spring that somebody was trying to take it over his 200 hive pollination in New York, and he cut his price from $85 to $65. And he was just it was this newer beekeeper, and he just trying to get the market. Same thing happened in um, New Jersey this spring. I heard from two other guys that were getting their numbers cut um, by a small beekeeper that only had 300 hives, and he was going in there and cutting some guy's contract that had 2,000 hives. And yeah, for the first year you can do that, but when them chemicals kill your bees and you come back out and not make any honey, he's going to find out next year that hey, I should have had the extra twenty bucks to pay the bills and buy the load of feed I needed to take take care of the bees and the queens. Wow, uh, tough way to t- tough way to learn the business, I guess. Yeah. 
Yep. But, <laughs> it's tough on everybody. Lot of, I mean, other than almonds, we're losing a lot of pollination. A lot of apple growers are pushing stuff out. Some are replanting, but you got a lot of stuff coming in from foreign countries. Um, the apple or the pumpkin market, I probably am losing, oh, probably 200 hives this year on apple pollination because the pumpkin market isn't what it used to be. Um, Walmart's producing a lot of their own stuff. They got their own farms now making their own stuff. I got a beekeeper friend of mine that pollinates out in Western States. Um, and he got cut a tractor trailer load this year, um, because the guy didn't make any money last year. So he's not growing pumpkins this year. So weather's a big factor, other beekeepers are a big factor, what you're getting sprayed with. I mean, it's not as much fun as it was 15, 20 years ago. Boy, I guess not. Yeah. Well, you, you've, you've, you've mentioned a couple of the challenges uh, in the last 10 or 15 years. What else is there? I mean, in a, looking back over the years, we have uh, the, the Varroa, the increased use of the pesticides and chemicals. Um, what are the other challenges? Uh, labor? We mentioned labor. Well, just hitting on that Varroa a little bit. Um, we used to be able to treat once a year for Varroa and have no problems. I'm up to treating almost 11 times a year right now and still seeing mites in between treatments. You just can't control them. Um, the bad thing is most of the things that are approved for us do not work. We're relying on a chemical company to produce something for us that the same company is trying to put us out of business because we're the only ones out there more or less making noise about the chemical industry and what it's doing to our environment, our people, and everything else. So other than this new Roundup deal that – EPA told Bear they weren't going to get in trouble for, but now they're getting in trouble for. Um, labor, you got to find somebody that wants to work bees first off, somebody you can actually afford to hire anymore with labor costs going up. It's almost better for somebody to go to McDonald's, get a job, than work for me, maybe. They got more benefits. Um, but it's and training. I mean, I hate getting new labor some days because you spend more time training and you get your job done. Might as well go out and do it myself sometimes. <laughs> and you got equipment. I mean, with our business, we got straight trucks, bobcats. You got something always to run that you got to train somebody on it. Nobody wants to get a CDL license. And it's not the DOTs out there everywhere. There's new laws all the time. My son just got a CDL license list this year. And now if you don't take it with a fifth wheel truck, and we, we took it with a pinnel truck and a trailer, which is actually harder to drive than a tractor trailer. They don't allow you to drive a fifth-wheel truck now unless you take a test in a fifth-wheel truck. Um, a lot of things are changing in, in the industry. Um, hobbyists, you're better off being a hobbyist, I guess. You have, have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I guess, I, guess I, would, I would think that from, from the perspective of making your occupation work, you would get a loud voice of support from growers. It doesn't sound like that's kind of the case. We and you see that a lot with like almonds. Almonds. It's amazing that the border out there they don't want people crossing the border with a load of bees on. And I ask my dad all the time, why doesn't the almond board or the almond growers stand up for them? They're they're wanting to get the cheapest load of bees they can get into their almond orchard. They don't really care about the beekeeper as long as they get a load of bees from somebody. And their theory is. If you don't come pollinate their almonds, they're going to find somebody who will do it for a lot less than you'll do it. Every year for the last five, six, seven years, I've been waiting for there to be a shortage out there. This year, it was semi-short 
on amount of bees, but we keep somehow coming up with enough bees to take care of that darn crop. Whether it's empty boxes or not, somebody has enough boxes out there that there is no worry about a shortage of bees. And then you got the border people that'll turn you around for one piece of dirt because they think it's a bug. And then you got to wait till they call the university. And if it's on a weekend, you're waiting till Monday morning. So you got a load of bees sitting on a piece of pavement out there at 70, 80 degrees, or they're taking them off the truck and power washing them. I mean, I got pictures. Somebody sent me pictures this year of bug chemical sitting on the back of a truck because they're spraying the bug chemical in between the hives to kill the termites. Well, damn it. Bees are a bug. I mean, and a load of bees, by the time they got the load of bees, there was probably eight frames of brood and four frames of bees left in the boxes. I mean, they, did, they totally destroyed the whole load. But you got to get somebody that's going to pay for that. The growers, they just figure there's enough bees out there somewhere. They won't got to worry about it. Um, now, our apple guys, they're happy to see us every year. We've been, my dad's been pollinating for them for whew, since I was a little kid. And I'm old, old now. So um, <laughs> it, them guys, they're, they're my best growers. They are really happy to see us. I mean, when we were having problems, when we first started seeing all the bee losses. I had one grower that actually cut me, just gave me a thousand dollars cash. He said, this is for you guys. You guys, I know what you're going through. I know your losses and the job you guys do to have things here on time for me, this means a lot to me. And it, it really meant a lot. I mean, yeah. you're taking care of him that he really appreciate what you're doing. And you don't see that a lot in big companies. So, I mean, that meant a lot to me. He, he takes about, <clears throat> excuse me, he takes about 400 hives of bees off us every year for apples. And that meant a lot. Wow, that's a really nice sign and res- of respect and partnership. Yeah, it's good to hear that. It's good to, but I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I'd, I'd like to see a little more support from that side of the industry to keep your side of the industry going because, um, <laughs> without those bees, these guys are just got a field full of trees. Well, and and one of the issues is the beekeepers not sticking together, sticking to their guns, and you got yeah. somebody coming in, got in your throat for cheaper, and and I can't say anything ill about the beekeepers. I mean, I, it's not good the way they do stuff. But we have a lot of new guys coming on because they see bee problems. So I'm going to be a beekeeper. And then they got to find some way to make a living out of it. I mean, you start running three, four hundred hives of bees in the Carolinas or someplace like that where there ain't no honey crop, you got to do something to make an income. And one pollination check don't keep bees alive. I mean, it's it takes a lot. I mean, my dad figured out it costs about $350 a year to keep a hive of bees going if you're doing pollination just the trucking the feed the protein and everything else um and queen issues i mean we well just like california this year they've been so wet they're backed up almost four weeks on queen production i guess from what i hear so and then what are you getting i mean research done probably 15 20 years ago was the drones out there one third of the drones have viruses one third are shooting blanks and one third are good so how many more drones does it take to make a good for uh yeah queen to lay and so are you getting you look at these guys producing queens that are producing 10 20 000 queens a month or a week how many of them are actually getting mated properly um we're trying to produce queens like there's no tomorrow because we're losing so many and it, there's too many issues in this business anymore not not can i keep my beehive alive but where am i getting my queens from is the feed an issue? Is the water a problem? Is the pollen bringing it in? I mean, just like Penn State University, 
one piece of pollen in your beehive can have an average of six to 31 pesticides and fungicides on it. So, okay, now uh, what am I getting? Um, one of the issues out in the Midwest, the uh, farming community plants, oh, we got corn and soybeans everywhere now. So where do you go get good land to sit on? Next question is, is we're losing all locations. I got guys coming in around me, beekeepers I'd never seen and heard of sitting right down next to me within a half mile because they're losing their locations to go to. The government says we're going to plant wildflowers in between cornfields. What's in the middle of the cornfield is the drainage ditches. Now we're finding out the wildflowers have more chemicals in than the corn does. So how do you get good fresh pollen or good fresh nectar? I mean, United States, our production has dropped over 150 million pounds in the last 15 years. I mean, every year it's averaging out to be 150 million. Well, you probably know more about that, Kim, than I do, of what the honey production is in this country. Well, you're right there. The honey production is, uh, I'm going to say flat. Uh, it hasn't gone up, hasn't gone down a whole lot. But uh, you take a look at the number of colonies that are out there, the number of colonies has been flat. You're, you know, about the same this year as you were back in 2000. Uh, everything that you've just said right now points to the direction, though, although there's the same number of colonies out there, what it keeps to t- keep that number the same as skyrocketed. It's got it's costing a fortune to keep, you know, two point eight million or whatever it is colonies uh, going, and and you don't you're not you're not making it sound easy. Let's put it frankly. Oh, I, I I'm trying to think of a good point to this beekeeping deal. Um, <laughs> self-employed, no insurance. Oh wait, that's a bad point. Um, no, well, a couple of years ago, back to this honey situation, a couple of years ago, I read a report that 15 years ago, the United States was producing 275 million pounds of honey a year and importing 125 million. Last year, I think the numbers I heard were we were importing 275 million pounds and we made less than 120 million pounds. Now, you can tell at the USDA and they don't believe you because the bee numbers are still the same as they were 15 years ago. And I don't doubt that bee numbers are the same. But beekeepers are our own worst enemy. When we start losing bees, we're going to start making bees up. Or somebody's going to make bees and sell bees. But the only problem with that is we don't produce honey when you make bees. The more bees you make, the less honey you produce. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one thing rolls off onto another thing. Well, the, the, the other problem, <clears throat> as you probably know, uh, we're at uh, early June here on uh, poll- pollinator Pollinator Week and uh, the USDA numbers just came out on imports, exports, number of colonies, all those sorts of things. It hasn't changed a whole lot in the last few years. We import about three quarters of the honey that we consume in this country, and we produce only about a quarter. That hasn't changed, and I don't see a change in much. For the reason that some of the reasons that you suggest, um, west of you, uh, Midwest uh, into into farther west, the uh, philosophy seems to be honey production isn't a profitable business you just gave a figure of what it takes to keep a colony alive <clears throat> 300 and 300 and change to keep a colony alive a year uh if i if i can make i, I gotta make honey at two what 220 a pound i can make honey at here um i'm competing against stuff coming in from india and vietnam at 97 cents a pound uh that's not a fair fight 
And if I'm going to be making a living doing bees, I can see where pollination and making bees probably is the future, or at least got to be a big part of my future is why would I try to come? You're, you're not competing on producing honey. You're competing on selling honey, which is where people are making their money. Um, but you're competing against 97 cent a pound Vietnam honey. And that's got to be a tough way to make that part of your business work. Yeah, yeah, don't don't tell anybody that going to pollination and producing bees is a way to make a living at this. I don't want anybody to know that. Holy crap. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that is about what you have to do anymore. Um, we're fighting, well, you can get Argentine clover that's a dollar sixty, dollar eighty, something like that. And they blend that a lot with stuff. One beekeeper, excuse me, one beekeeper just told me the other day. He said, we need to go back to telling everybody the bees are still dying because that rose the price of honey. It rose the sales of honey, everything else. A beekeeper, well, the same beekeeper packs honey. And he says in the last 10 years, his sales have dropped from 90,000 to 40,000 gross in the last 10 years. And he says the bee loss thing is not out there and up front like it used to be. People, that's old news. Um, so we don't, that's one of the issues we're having. We, when it first started out, hey, bees are dying. Everybody started buying honey to help support or buying buy local, buy American. Well, now we go back to, and I'll probably get shot for this, the last president in his health care that actually cost me an extra $10,000 a year. Well, if you can't afford to go out there and buy the high price local honey, you're going to go to Walmart and buy the next best thing. or not really the best thing. So there's a lot, the economy isn't what it should be maybe or what it's supposed to be and that that resonates around to the consumer and what they're buying and stuff let me let me stray a little bit in another direction if you want um in the last couple of years a couple three years some of the things that have been coming on with some growers looking at uh the price of colonies the difficulty in finding beekeepers <clears throat> dealing with uh weather concepts and those sorts of things uh, they're looking for different ways to pollinate their crops. And you, I'm sure you've seen uh, the drones that are putting pollen out on trees and the sprayers out west that are using slurries with uh, pollen in them and then using electrostatic sprays. Do you see that being any part of the future here or is just uh, just not going to go anyplace when people are just being more wishful thinking than not? They're going to have to get it figured out. For the cost wise, get the cost down. They're going to have to be able to cover a lot of area real fast. I mean, you can move a lot of bees into an area and have really quick pollination, like apples and stuff. Um, and I mean, there might be a day where it comes to that that they can actually do it. I mean, we should be charging more for pollination than we're getting. We can only get away with so much. Um, but if it comes to that, I think there's going to be a lot of people out of business. I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of beekeepers right now that don't produce enough honey to keep in this that the pollination is what they have. Yep. Yep. I, uh, uh, let me, let me ask one, one other issue that everybody has, not everybody, but lots of beekeepers have, where do your bees sit in the winter? Florida. Um, which that's another issue in itself. A lot of beekeepers from the Midwest go South now, um, guys that used to sit home all winter long are trying to get someplace in the wintertime to get billed up before they go to California. Um, we're getting people moving in on us all the time. One of our issues down there is they pushed out a lot of oranges. We don't have the groves anymore. 
And a lot of landowners don't want you sitting on their land anymore because of liability. Um, when the bees started dying, there was beekeepers that tried to start suing people because of chemical use and everything else. And they don't want the liability. I've lost a lot of locations in Florida. Um, we got a lot of beekeepers moving into Florida. And one thing they're using now down there in the lakes and the ponds is called a mosquito brick. And it's like a block you throw in the water. It creates a film on top of the water. And it kills mosquitoes, larvae, bugs, whatever. And anything that sucks on the water. And for years, we were sitting in the center of the state um, taking bees down for Brazilian pepper, uh, honey in the fall. And come along January, we had picking up 80% dead. Every time I go to the bee location, we pick up more dead. And finally, Dad stopped to talk to one of the landowners one day and big mine down there. And he said, you guys doing anything different around here? Oh, we're, no, not really. We just put mosquito bricks in the water and did some research on that. And it's a wonder anything lives at all, let alone fish, the gators or whatever, because that stuff's terrible. And a lot of the beekeepers on the East Coast are having issues with keeping bees alive or growing just back to the same thing we're contaminating the water so bad that a bee needs fresh water a bee researcher told me this winter he went to a, a beekeeper's place and he's complaining about having a bee issue and he said i went down by he said where do you get your water from all the bees go to the lake down here and sit drinking out of the lake he said i sat next to the lake for half an hour walked around the lake didn't see one bee at the lake he said there's something about that water the bees don't like so then that where do you get your water from Another beekeeper had problems. He, he moved to the woods, got away from everything, 30 miles from any chemical spray, and he lost all his bees, had 100 hives, lost them all. He calls my father up, says, I don't know what I did wrong. He says, they don't have mites. They don't have nothing. They look good, did look good two weeks ago. Dad, so what's around you? Woods. There's nothing. There's woods and a sod farmer. Oh, well, okay. Well, go out and talk to the sod farmer. Went and talked to the sod farmer. He's spraying chemicals every couple of days, and they're irrigating and the irrigating water, the bees are going in the ditches, sucking on the irrigation water. And so you're wiping out your colonies. You, and you don't know, I mean, until you either fly around or drive around within a five-mile radius of your beehives, what you're actually getting into. You might have beautiful clover fields on one side, and over top of the hill might be some guy dumping chemicals in your, your pond. So, I mean, that's one of our biggest issues is finding clean, healthy locations. It says a lot for using Google Earth, taking a look at where your bees are. I guess from everything you've had to say, I'd really recommend people start looking at what's what's over the horizon. Uh, yep. What are people doing over there that's that's uh, not doing good for you and your bees? I'll go back to Davey. Let me go back to the the winter wintering thing. You're going to Florida, but you don't pay, paint a rosy future for the future of that. Is that going to be something you can continue to do, or are you going to look more at staying home, or isn't that an issue? We've actually looked into wintering hives in buildings. I mean, if you can get a good-looking hive in the fall into a building, um, it, it was one of the things we were looking at hard at the ABF meeting this year. And then there was guys that were coming out of buildings this winter going to California had big issues. They were having losses that they didn't expect to see. Hmm. Um, whether there was temperature issues in the building, whether it was something they got into before they went in the building, there were just a lot of beekeepers that, thought things were in good shape and the bees started dwindling off. Um, every spring bees build up, they look good. And every spring I think, man, I can do this. I can be a beekeeper. And then come fall and about January, I start seeing the issues and losses. It's like, man, you rack your brain. What'd you do wrong all winter long? Well, it's like my dad keeps telling me and try to remind me that he didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. 
a good example. This is one I wanted to tell you about. We sat next to a cornfield last fall after we made honey in New York, came back, sat next to a cornfield, rain most of the fall. Bees look great. Taking down feed, building burr comb, raising brood in September and October. Picked them bees up day after Thanksgiving, took them to Florida. My cousin Amber, she's popping the lids while I'm on loading truck. And I can see like an inch of burr comb on top of the frames. And fresh burr comb. Looks good. I said, man, them things look good. She goes, there ain't a bee in them. I said, what do you mean there are bees in them? Uh, 300 hives, I had 30 left alive with hand with a handful of bees in them. The other hives had not one bee in them. They had somewhere between 40 and 60 pounds of honey, fresh burr comb, no brood, nothing in the brood cells. And the boxes looked clean, looked nice, but there was not a bee in the box. What did they die from? Did they get something out of the cornfield, out of the water from all fall? Did somebody spray something? Did they pick something up in New York? Did they pick something up on pumpkin pollination? I'm sitting there racking my brain for four months, just like, okay, what happened to these beehives? Nobody can tell me anything. I send samples out. Yeah, full chemicals and stuff, but what do you do? Where do you go? What's, what's clean? What's not clean? I mean, the future in Florida, I don't know what's going to happen. We lost a lot of locations. You're sitting next to guys that aren't treating for the mites. I mean, you go treat 11 times and wonder why you still got mites. It could be your neighbor. I mean, one of the USDA or um, one of the labs did a study down here in Maryland uh, a year or two ago. Dennis Fangelsdorf was telling me about. They painted some bees blue that were beehives falling apart, painting these bees blue. They were finding blue bees three and four miles from the original hive. It's like three and four miles. That's how unheard of. But them bees are drifting three and four miles. So what is your neighbor giving you? Hmm. That's the next good question. Well, that, 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 I'll go back to wintering only because you, you bring up, that brings together a lot of subjects. I know the technology of wintering in buildings isn't quite where it should be. The people that worked for it worked really well. And I, I, think, I think maybe that's something to be looking at is, is where you're going to be, where you're going to be spending winters. Once you figure out temperature, CO2, all of those things. Then you've got at least a little more control of where your bees are and what they're doing. Um, not so much once they get out of that building. Then it comes becomes a, I think, kind of a crapshoot. But uh, for all of the all of the exposure that they have in a poisonous world we live in. Yep. Yep. Hey, I, I'd like to swing this just a different direction real quick because I think we we missed this in the very beginning. Uh, and you've referenced your family. Can you give us just a little bit of background on, on Hackenberg Apiaries and, and your family's history and, and beekeeping and um, the business? My grandfather um, raised veal calves. My dad grew up on a farm. And when my grandfather got ran over by a wagon, they moved off the farm. And dad still wanted to be in FFA. So he started keeping v- bees as a VOAG project. And he found out that a couple of hives of bees made a lot of honey. So he figured a lot of bees make a lot more honey. The only <laughs> problem with that was then he had to start buying equipment and trucks and forklifts and that cost money. Funny how so, that works. That's funny how it works. <laughs> well, so I helped him out. I got pictures of me helping him work bees when I was three and four years old, but I helped him out all through school and went to school for diesel mechanics and got out of school. And in 1993, we had a fire in the shop burned down. And I actually went to work for a car garage working on cars. And because he never really explained to me there was money in the bee business. Well, then I got married, started having kids. And he explained to me, to me there was money in the bee business, at least back then. So I went back in the bee business with him and bought some hives, bought into the 
business with him and now we're in partnership. Um, and my wife started taking care of the paperwork, taking over from my mother. Um, my two older boys that I thought would get real jobs are now helping me <laughs> take care of me. Um, but it's working out pretty good. I mean, I'm happy they're helping me out. Mm-hmm. We're, we all have bad backs, so we get along pretty good in that aspect. And we got a frequent flyer card to the chiropractor. There you go. Um, so other than that, um, my cousin Amber works for me. Um, she came on about five, six years ago as part-time help. And now she pretty much runs the shop and takes care of honey sales and sometimes keeps me straight on what's going on because my memory is getting really bad. Um, <laughs> a good cousin to have, it sounds like. Yep, yep. She does a lot of work for me. Well, so it's a, it's a family operation. Uh, and has much. been for a couple of a couple going on now three generations. Yep, pretty much. We've had we have hired we have some um, part time hired help that helps extract honey and helps work bees, which they're all good too. I've had some full time guys work for me that now they're beekeepers, and some days it's a lot less stress now. I don't have other people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're everything's doing pretty good. In episode 22, we had uh, Peter Nelson, who's the director of The Pollinators, the movie. Yep. And and you are in that film as well. If people want to go out and uh, find that film where it's playing near them and uh, get to see you too, as, as well as listening to you today on the podcast. I think it's actually at State College on the 18th of this month. <clears throat> I'm supposed to be there, but I might actually be in New York unloading trucks coming out of Maine. So... <laughs> We usually miss Mother's Day and Father's Day. The bees usually are going into Maine, blueberry pollination on Mother's Day around that time. And on Father's Day, they're coming out of Maine. And what a good, a neat little story was about, oh, 15 years ago, my grandfather was driving truck for us yet and hauling bees for us. And uh, we we're up in Maine at the truck stop, Dice Hearts, and we're sitting there eating breakfast, getting ready to come back out of there, I guess it was, go to New York. And the waitress said about something about Father's Day and too bad you're not home with your family and stuff. And my dad says, well, my son's sitting here and my father's sitting here. So I guess we're all here for Father's Day. So <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, you've definitely presented the, the non, let's see, it's not the, the unglamorized vision of, of the pollination <laughs> business today. I mean, it's, uh, and, and, and I just did let everybody know that you came to the podcast after what you're just replacing a gas tank on 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 one of the trucks and and yeah. repairing a hydraulic line on a on a lift. So yeah, we blew a hydraulic line on a bobcat today and trying to fix a fuel pump. The fuel line started leaking, so I was dropping a fuel tank. And last week it was changing brakes. And that's that's one of the aggravating things about this business too is if you have a lot of equipment. Last week, I thought it was going to be a nice weekend, get a couple of days not to do too much. And dad came home from Maine. The rear brakes were out of the truck that he's driving, which took rotors and calipers and a couple <laughs> of other things. And ended up being a day and a half job instead of being a 20-minute job. So wow. you know, there's always something to look forward to. Yeah, always a busy season. Davey, uh, lots of information here, but... I'm going to guess that there's something that we've missed that you'd like to have people here. Uh, good. Uh, there's got to be a good side. There's got to be other things going on in your life, your world that people should know about that are thinking about pollinating or just want to know more about the your your side of the business. What have we missed, Davey? 
if you're going to do pollination, just make sure you got good, healthy bees going into pollination. Always make sure they got feed on them, whether it's protein or fondant. I mean, we sell fondant and protein. I sell guns on the side too. I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> um, but you want to make sure the bees are healthy if you're going into pollination. And the better the hive is going in, the better it's going to be coming out. If you're sending in stuff that has viruses and doesn't look good, it's going to come out looking worse. Going to California is the same way. I mean, a lot of guys go to California and come back with beautiful bees, stuff that's ready to split. I was talking to one guy this year that his stuff came back with 15 frames of brood. He was making all kinds of splits. And that can be. Um, wherever your pollination's at, you definitely want to go check out your beehives while they're there. See what's going on. Talk to the growers. I mean, if, it, if you can make it work, talk to your growers. Find out who's in charge of what's going on and start a relationship with them. That's a big part of it. I mean, a lot of our growers will tell us if they're going to spray. Now, California, not so much, but our local pumpkin growers and stuff will tell us if they're going to spray. We got time to get the bees out or they try to give us a little bit of notice um, and just talk to them, see what's going on. Uh, talk to their beekeepers in the area, too. I mean, find out if they're doing their treatments, find out what they're seeing. Um, beekeeping, I like beekeeping. It's just... We've had a lot of stressors in the last 15 years with the systemic chemicals coming along. Um, it just, it sort of bothers me. Um, I'm a dumb farm boy, but when you say systemic, that means we're all eating it. So that's an issue. Um, but yeah. You sound like a lot of people I've talked to, Davey. You like bees. It's beekeeping that's tough. <laughs> yep. And that's one of my, that's one of our issues now is you don't get a chance to look at the hive. You don't get a chance to study what's going on in your hive because you're usually too busy just trying to get around everybody and get the treatments on the feed on. I mean, if you're just making honey, yeah, you got time. The bees sit back and relax a little bit, but when you're trying to get from apple pollination to blueberry pollination, there's time when there's bees coming out of apples and same night they're going on the truck to Maine blueberries and you didn't have a chance to go through them and look at them. So now you might have to run to Maine to go through the bees. Um, they're just not as much time as do things you want to get done sometimes. Well, Jeff, this has been yeah. uh, enlightening at sure best has. or enlightening certainly. And, and I've learned a lot and I hope, uh, I hope our listeners have gained some Davey, you have been a wealth of information and, uh, I know you're off to some pollination job somewhere. I'm sure that you're not sitting there uh, twiddling your thumbs. You're getting eager to go. So, again, we want to thank you for being here today. Anything else? I, I always love to talk to beekeepers. If you ever want to call and talk, and we try to help everybody out, we can. We, we are back to selling nukes now, too. Um, but I had a lady the other night. She got a package off somebody, and... I don't normally go out and help people install bees, but I want to make sure she got her beehive installed and she didn't kill her third queen. So there you go. <laughs> we try to help out. I wish I lived closer to you. I, I would get a couple nukes from you, but I don't suppose you'd get them out to Washington State, could you? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know if we get that far. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, David. You know, this is probably the only podcast you can go from the uh, beekeeping to the FFA to FFL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, Kim, that, I think that's about it for today. We want to get uh, Davey time to get back to um, the pollination business. There you go. Thank you for having me, and I hope it wasn't all negative. I mean, it's, it sometimes comes out that way, I guess. <laughs> no, I think it, is positive, uh, it was positively negative. 
if 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 that, if that makes sense. I mean, it's it's the reality. It's the reality of the business, and I think people should be aware of those realities and not be blind to it. Good them. way to put it. Yep, the reality. One thing I found out in this business is find your niche market, something that works for you. Find something local that you can do to help your community. There you go. And we'll leave it at that. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast, Davey. Okay, thank you. Take care. Good luck. Safe travels. Well, <laughs> that it was great to talk to Davey, and, and, it, and it was actually kind of refreshing in many ways because I thought, uh, we are actually learning and hearing the truth and, 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 and some of the frustration of being a pollinator in today's bee business. Yeah, you know, I think I said earlier that uh, when I think of uh, Pollinator Week, what I think of after all of these years is not the bees and the birds and the butterflies. It's the people who are managing those bees. And Davey's a good example of a business that's making it work and it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going against the people who run bees, all of the chemicals in the environment, the fact that there's essentially no no forage or very little for, good forage available out there anymore, and then the economics of moving bees and finding trucks and finding truck drivers and fixing, uh, fixing forklifts and all of the things going on. I, I'm on the sidelines watching, and I think that's <laughs> probably a good place for me um, and being able to share that story, but uh, Davey had a good story, and I, if you've listened this far, I might suggest you go back and listen to it again because there was a lot of good information in there. Real good. So, Davey, thanks for being with us. Jeff, uh, I think that's about wraps this one up. Yeah, it does. Well, before we go, I want to encourage our listeners to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download or stream the show. Your vote helps other beekeepers find us quicker. We want to thank this Pollinator Week sponsor, Global Patties. Global Patties is a family-operated business which has been in operation for over 17 years and manufactures protein supplement patties for honeybees. Check them out at www.globalpatties.com. While you're there, give them a shout-out for sponsoring this Pollinator Week's special series of Beekeeping Today podcast. Also, feel free to send us questions and comments at questions at beekeepingtodaypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, we want to thank you, the Beekeeping Today podcast listener. Listen to our other podcast out this week to hear what a West Coast pollinator has to say about the business, and you can compare and contrast West Coast versus East Coast. I'm glad we were able to get Davey out on the episode this week. So thanks a lot, Kim. We'll talk to you uh, here coming up uh, probably tomorrow. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed, Jeff. Thanks again. This is good. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>